Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have a, an exciting founder, you know, an exciting founder from France. I think that we're gonna have the battle of accents here, you know, like the, the French accent and the, the Spanglish going on. But uh, but anyhow, I think that we're gonna be learning quite a bit on 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 building, scaling, uh, doing the full cycle, you name it. So without further ado, Pierre Francois Thaler, welcome to the show. Hi Leandro, glad to be with you live from uh, Paris today. As you can hear. So, so originally from France. So, how was how was life growing up in France, Pierre? It was uh, it was good. I lived in a. I was born in France. I lived in Asia for a while. I was uh, I was uh, lucky to live in uh, New York also for a couple of years. I came back to France two years ago. But uh, yeah, I was born in France and I'm quite French as you can hear. Very cool. I I do hear. <laughs> I do hear. So so let me ask you this, Pierre. How did you get into mathematics and and also engineering? Uh, I got into engineering um, because I was good in math, I think. <laughs> I was not really <laughs> planning to do any engineering. Actually, I've not been doing much engineering in my life. I've been more on a, you know, a sales and marketing and uh, entrepreneurship. So I'm, a, I'm a born in, as an engineer, but I've not really been doing engineering since. Got it. Got it. And obviously you did a, a little bit of uh, project management, so right after school, where you did uh, electrical and electronics engineering. Uh, but you did a little bit of project management, and, and I guess that probably gave you, you know, it was your segue into INSEAD, which maybe like opened your mind more about the business side of things. Is that right? Yes. And uh, yes, and INSEAD was a great opportunity to combine, uh, yeah, engineering background with a broader business skill, skills. And it was also a a uh, great opportunity to meet the first uh, co-founders for the first company I started right out of INSEAD with a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, you know colleagues from uh, my class and uh, and that's what in uh, in 2000 uh, where we started the first company to uh, create an online marketplace for building materials. And you guys chose just the right time, eh? The the, the dot com bust just to start a company. So what happened there with B two Build? Tell us about the the idea and how you brought it to life and and the journey. So indeed, the timing was a 
was great. Uh, <laughs> no, the, 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 the idea was to, uh, you know, bring the construction industry online and help, uh, help bring buyers and sellers for, uh, for building materials. Um, we were off to a great start, uh, raised, uh, you know, I think uh, 15 million dollars uh, of funding uh, right after, right out of school. Uh, but, um, we burned it very fast. We did all the mistakes you can uh, you can imagine. We started five countries the same uh, the first months and uh, and uh, and basically ended up uh, closing the company after two years. Um, so uh, the market was challenging. The industry was challenging. <laughs> we were uh, quite new to entrepreneurship and we did lots of mistakes. And uh, but uh, it was a great learning experience. And I think uh, one of the Advantage that we try to do it in a completely different way at Ecovedis, and it worked uh, a bit better. So I guess, uh, obviously, every challenging experience, you know, in our lives, you know, has a lesson, you know, for us there to learn. So I guess, what was what was the lesson there for you to learn with with this first business? Uh, a couple of lessons where. Um, uh, well, first, it's not because you have five founders or six founders with incredibly. Uh, you know, great pedigrees and uh, different nationalities and uh, great academic background that you have entrepreneurs. You know, it's a bit different to be an entrepreneur. And uh, and uh, so I think having the right co-founders is uh, really important. Um, second is um, you want to be cost conscious and you want to control the technology. You know, we, 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 we license all the technology from big brands like SAP and Ariba. And we at the end, we are not in control of this very important piece. Um, and uh, yes, and maybe don't go too fast. Well, we were that that was a crazy internet bubble days. But we, uh, yeah, we opened Germany and UK and France and Italy. I think the first uh, first month, and uh, not a great recipe for success. Got it. And obviously, as they say, once an entrepreneur, you know, always an entrepreneur. And but it took you a little bit to bounce back. It took you some years. You know, you did a little bit of of corporate too. So so so, what did you do until you went at it again? Uh, but I, I went back to uh, yeah, purchasing and supply chain. Worked for a large corporate, uh, you know, Alstom, and then joined uh, what is now uh, Ariba, uh, and that was quite exciting. It was uh, you know building a new uh, you know supply chain platforms and uh, and uh, in a, you know innovative company, and uh, and that was very interesting. And I did this for like four or five years, indeed, till the opportunity to start Ecovedis uh, arose. Uh, and uh, in 2007, so 12 years ago now, I, um, I left Ariba to, uh, to start Ecovedis. So what was that process? Because obviously, you know, you, you had your first experience, so you had your wounds from, from that first experience. And, and I'm sure that this time around, you, you probably wanted to be like super sure that this was the right move for you. So. So how did that go about and, and how did the idea, you know, come in front of you and how did you go about, you know, taking it and, and executing on it? Uh, so it was a couple of things. It was first, um, even though I was working in a, you know, innovative company selling, uh, or selling, uh, you know, supply chain and procurement technology, after a while, you know, I felt that it was not having the right uh, sense of purpose for me. And, uh, and I started to think about what, you know, sustainability and social responsibility could mean for, uh, you know, in the procurement context. And, uh, and, uh, and what we were selling at Ariba was yeah, great, but it was about uh, 
you know, invoices and purchase orders and process savings and cost savings and so on. So I want to do something with a bit more purpose. Uh, the other trigger was uh, meeting uh, Frederick, my co-founder, who was an old friend from uh, Asia. We met in uh, Indonesia like uh, 20 years before, but he's a, he's a serial entrepreneur. He had started four or five companies before, and he was looking for a new idea. And uh, and we got together and uh, and really, um, you know, converged on this idea of using uh, SaaS and cloud technology to try to solve a big uh, challenge, which was sustainability in the supply chain. And so, yeah, I think it's many little two things. It's uh, yeah, the desire to something with more purpose and uh, and the op- and the you know opportunistically, you know, meeting the right person to do it at the right uh, moment. And we are both, uh, you know, eager to start something new. And that's how we started. Very cool. So what ended up being the business model? How do you guys make money? So we first were very, uh, a bit naive. And uh, and the initial business model, so so what, what Ecovadis is doing first is, uh, so we're operating a cloud platform, allowing large uh, corporates, large uh, global multinationals to access uh, to ratings on the environmental, social, ethical performance of their suppliers worldwide. So, so we're an online rating agency for uh, for suppliers, um, and we help brands, you know, reduce reputational risk, and make sure they work with the uh, you know suppliers who are reducing their carbon footprint or who are not using uh, child labor. So, so that's the uh, you know that's the the goal. Um, and indeed, from a business model perspective, we initially thought that um, we could get this software and this platform 100% funded by the big brands because, uh, you know, reading the their glossy sustainability report, we thought they would invest millions of dollars in this topic. Um, we quickly found that there was a kind of a, you know, ceiling, you know, they were actually their budgets for CSR and sustainability were much more limited. So the initial model, which was uh, paying on a per supplier basis, you know, we were buying credits. So if you want to, if you wanted to assess, uh, you know, 1,000 suppliers, it was twice the cost as 500 and so on. We eventually changed and we thought that it was much better to create a network where we will bring value not only to the big brands, but also to the companies we were rating. And so after two, three years, we pivoted to move to a, you know, online subscription model for everyone where you have a, you know, subscription for the buyers, but also a subscription for the, for the suppliers, you know, allowing them to, uh, to share their ratings and share their scorecard with different customers. And, uh, and that's the model, uh, that's a two-sided model we have, we still have today. Got it. And, and, and in your case, obviously the way that you diversify, diversified roles, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more unique. So why, why did you guys decide to go with a co-CEO structure? So a um, couple of reasons. Um, so I, th- I think the first one is we're equal partners. We, we were like uh, you know, 50-50 in the, in the venture. And we didn't want to create any form of imbalance. You know, uh, one having a different, you know, more senior role than the other. And uh, and I think this was a real strength because what, over the past twelve years, what what you see is a different stage in the development of the company. Of course, sometimes uh, one is bringing a bit more value during the first uh, you know couple of months, and then the other one. But uh, but making sure we were really uh, 
you know, balance, you know, they, 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 that was very important, uh, you know, to strengthen the, to strengthen the, you know, the, the team and the, and the, and at least us as a, as a, as a management team. So, uh, yeah, it was one about having an equal role. Second thing is we, we split that responsibility in a kind of a simple way. So, um, Fred is taking care of all operations, product, finance, uh, and I'm taking care of all customer facing. So it's a, so it's a, you know we split the role, and and this model is a bit original, but um, it worked quite well. We actually rotate every year the CEO. In France, you need to have a formal CEO role, but uh, we we rotate every year. So it's purely for technical purpose. Got it. And how has it been a really executing you know a startup in 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 France, because I mean, you, you you mentioned you've been here in New York as well, so you know that how the environment, perhaps in the U.S., is a little bit more friendly towards earlier stages uh, companies. So, so how has it been for for you guys being in France, and how have you been? Have you how have you seen the ecosystem there changing? So actually, when we started in two thousand seven, uh, and actually the the French system is quite favorable for startups, in the sense. You have access to lots of, um, you know, support subsidies. You can have you have a number of schemes you know, which makes it easier uh, for you know tiny companies. Um, it's not as difficult to do business, you know, as a tiny company in France as one would think. What is often missing in France, or what is far less developed in France, is access to capital. You know, it's true the the funding rounds you can get in France are probably certainly at that time, even today, are probably lower than the one you can get in uh, in the US. But it was actually a great opportunity for us because we, anyway, we decided to bootstrap the company. You know, we almost didn't raise any capital for the first uh, nine years, or you know, or or Series A was three years ago when we raised 30 million euros with Partech. And, uh, and basically, you know, it allowed us to keep the equity and not uh, dilute the capital. And um, so, you know, having less access to capital was a huge opportunity because we, uh, we only raised money when we are a mature, profitable company and, uh, and we skipped all the seed venture capital round. We went straight into growth capital round and that's of, of course totally different from an equity story got it and obviously uh, you know you guys have raised quite a bit how much capital have you guys raised today so the first round was with the with with the partech and we just closed a new investment round uh with the cvc uh, a month ago of uh, 200 million dollars wow so so what is it how does it differentiate from like raising money, let's say, from like the traditional uh, venture a firm like Partech, from let's say a closing around with 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 a VC that is more like the corporate venture arm of of a large corporate strategic. Uh, so CVC, it's, it's not the corporate venture arm; it's the growth equity arm of a private equity uh, fund. So it's you know private equity are now moving into growth growth equity. Okay, uh, got uh, it. Uh, no, that what what is totally different is um, well, first the size of the checks. You know, they are they are not interested in uh, investments which are less than uh, you know 100, 150, 200, 250. Uh, and um, 
And second, uh, yes, they, they want to invest in companies who already have a you know, leader, global leadership role, even though it's in a specific niche. So um, in our case, the niche is uh, sustainable supply chain. And, uh, and indeed, over the past 10 years, we've created a you know, yeah, leadership role. So we have limited the competition now in our, in our space. So, um, no, it's, it's, uh, but it's not always an opportunity. It's not always possible. You know, in our case, it was possible because the market developed quite quickly, uh, quite slowly, sorry. And, um, and we didn't need the, uh, capital, you know, to fund aggressive growth. So, so we were able to grow the company to the stage where we were able to uh, do this in a much better way with, a with a private equity, uh, skipping the, you know, seed and venture capital rounds. And you've been able definitely to, to grow the, the company nicely. So, so how many employees do you guys have now? So we are 650 now. Uh, it's a very global team because we have offices in 13 countries from, uh, from uh, San Francisco to New York, uh, Europe, of course, but, uh, uh, you know, up to Hong Kong, uh, Melbourne, and Tokyo. So we have a global coverage, which is very exciting from, uh, you know, diversity and, uh, and uh, you know, internal uh, team spirit, of course. It's, um, it's also needed because what we, what we provide is a solution for global multinationals, for Fortune 500 companies to manage risk in the supply chain. And, of course, they want, they want a solution which is able to cover suppliers both in Brazil and uh, China and uh, Russia. So, uh, you know, either we're global, either it doesn't uh, make sense at all. And obviously, also for you, it probably has been a, a a learning experience when it comes to to culture, no? Because it's not just the culture of the business, but every single office also has its own culture. So, so tell us a little bit about about that. Yes. So it, it's a uh... now, of course, it's very challenging as a startup and a fast-growing company to maintain the culture in, a, in an environment which is that global. Uh, so one of the way we address this is, uh, you know, we, 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 we have one thing we say, which is, you know, let's imagine that Ecovadis is, is, a, is a, you know, one company in different uh, floors in a, in, a, in, a big, uh, in a big building and every, uh, it's like every uh, office uh, Every every city office in a different floor. It's just the stairways are broken, you know. So, but we are one global company in a, uh, in different locations. So from an organizational perspective, we don't have regional heads or country heads. It's uh, you know it's only international teams. So you know our marketing, uh, our chief marketing officer is based in Washington. Our team is uh, spread from uh, you know Tokyo to. Uh, Warsaw to uh, San Francisco. Uh, we do a lot of, uh, you know, virtual, uh, you know, collaboration, communication, which is uh, quite a flavor of the month at the moment, but we started doing this uh, many years ago. And um, no, and, and I think what's really helping is all the Ecovadians have a real passion for the topic we work on, which is, uh, you know, sustainability and, uh, and, uh, and driving large scale, you know, impact in sustainability using the leverage of the supply chain of the large corporate. So it's uh, the glue which is holding everything together. Got it. And and your space, where do you think that your space is heading as a whole? 
so our market is um is still very uh, we're still at the very beginning you know in a, in a way we are just uh, scratching the surface uh we have uh you know we have 50,000 customers today so all the rated companies all these suppliers of uh you know their customers because subscribe to our platform and we have 50,000 of them but we think that uh you have at least 4 million companies which are direct suppliers to the large uh, brands uh so you know we are on the journey now to progressively engage and cover on those 4 million uh, 4 million uh, companies so that's the you know that the, so yeah from from from, uh, from uh, yeah coverage we still have a 20 uh, you know 20x uh growth uh, potential and the other axis is we're also looking at bringing new solutions to those companies so for example we're working on carbon at the moment so bringing in new modules and new tools because carbon is such a such an important issue for um like you know our customers but you know planet and society in general that we are developing a new module on this topic the same way we've done on data privacy a couple of years ago with a module called cybervalis got it got it very cool and obviously uh, in your case i mean this is the um the the you know not the first rodeo i mean you've done this now uh, a couple of times so i'm sure that you know like uh, there's one question that i typically ask the the guests that come on the show and that is that if you had the opportunity to go back and have a chat with your younger self with that younger uh, peer that uh, that perhaps was thinking about you know an inset thinking about launching a business if you had the time of go back in time and and have a chat with that younger self and and really give that younger self just one piece of advice before launching a business, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself uh, and why? So I would tell them, uh, I would tell myself to, or tell him two things. First, um, do it. You know, it's such a great experience to be an entrepreneur and I've seen so many MBAs uh, thinking about it, building uh, business plans and never doing it. And then after 10 years or 20 years telling me I'm so, uh, I have so much regrets. Uh, and second thing, I would tell him, be very careful or pay a lot of attention to the co-founder or who you partner with. You know, I think the number one, uh, you know, failure I see in many entrepreneurial ventures is uh, the association not working the right way. So, um, so uh, yeah, making sure that the partner or your co-founder is aligned on the same values, that you have the same type of risk appetite, that you have a, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, if you, if you solve this, um, and you're, uh, and you're, you will find a way. You will find a way to to succeed. You will find a way to find the right market. And uh, so, pay a lot of attention to who you partner with. And that's amazing. I I truly truly can get behind that. So, for the folks that are listening, Pierre, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Uh, best way is um, we we actually have on the. Our, our live annual event. It was supposed to be a physical conference in Paris with 1,000 people, but we are making a, we are making it a, a live event uh, next Thursday with uh, 50 amazing speakers, and I will be there. So, if you go on ecovadis.com and look for su the sustain event, uh, you're all welcome to register, and uh, and you will uh, you will hear a lot more about uh, sustainable super chain. Uh, the dean of INSEAD will be there. The CEO of a couple of Fortune 500 companies will be speaking as well. So, And I will be there. So looking forward to meet you in our virtual event next Thursday on ecovadis.com. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Pierre, for being on the DealMaker Show today. Thanks a lot, Alejandro. It was a pleasure talking to you. Have a good, uh, have a good day. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the DealMakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.